0: Hi, it's Dating Coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma Podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Kyle Ingham. Kyle is the founder of The Distilled Man, a website that provides practical tips on social mastery, self-development, and the gentlemanly arts. Kyle, can you tell me about your background, the work you do, and how you got inspired to create The Distilled Man?
1: Yeah. So um, The Distilled Man is all about uh, providing actionable advice for the everyday gentleman. So it's really all about um, providing guys with sort of simple introductions to the essential skills that um, help them become more confident, um, well-rounded men. And in terms of my background, I mean, for me, it all started um, a few years ago. Uh, for about 10 years, I was working in ad agencies. Um, which of course has nothing to do with making men better men. But there was one day something sort of happened to me. Um, You know, ad agencies are, you know, very busy work, uh, very demanding. And, you know, I was, I, all of a sudden I just, I found that I couldn't work. I was like completely paralyzed. And what I, what happened was like amidst, as the emails are piling up, people are coming to my office saying, dude, you got to get on this. What's going on? Are you okay? And it was, it was weird because all I could do was was think about grilling. So I had this moment where I, would, I was just obsessed with with grilling uh, animal flesh over a hot fire. And it's funny because it's not like I had never done it before. I mean, a lot of guys grow up and we all sort of pretend to know how to grill. You know, it's sort of a rite of passage, right? We all pretend that we know how to do it because we're men. Um, but I had this sort of realization. I was probably, let's see, probably early, late twenties, early thirties at the time, had this realization that I wasn't good at it. And there was something about that, that, that really bothered me. And so literally for like three days at work, all I could do was just like Google grilling, you know, videos and grilling books. And I was shopping for a barbecue online on Craigslist. Um, and it was weird because in retrospect, I, well, I realized what had happened is it was like, best way to put it is that my biological grilling clock went off. <laughs> and so from that moment, yeah, it was just weird. It was like it, it awoke inside me that I needed to have mastery in the area of grilling because I was a man. And and that's what I realized as I was going into that journey. So I, you know, obviously dove into learning how to grill, bought books and bought a barbecue and learned from friends and even talked to some chefs. And as I was going through that process, the thing that I realized and that I realize now, especially in retrospect, is that you know, there's all these skills that, that guys are expected to know just by virtue of being men. Um, So, you know, obviously how to grill, but also things like, you know, how to make a cocktail, you know, some of these things that I call the gentlemanly arts, you know, the things that, you know, if you don't learn from your, your dad or your big brother growing up, like you're kind of SOL. And so that was sort of the light bulb that went off in my head that, you know, if I'm, you know, I've got a great job, I'm like a pretty smart guy, like, you know, life has gone pretty well for me, but I'm having this w- wake up call that I don't feel like, like there, there's some, still some gaps for me in terms of how I feel in terms of my manly confidence. And so that was, that was kind of the beginning of the distilled man. So, so now it's really, you know, all about, um, helping guys kind of fill in those gaps. And, uh, so now I'm, you know, we've got an online channel that we've got videos on YouTube. We've got Hundreds of articles on the website, um, also a podcast that I've been running for the last year and a half or so, where I talk to experts and thought leaders, and and now it's really kind of evolved into focusing. And in, I would say sort of three areas. So one is sort of social confidence. Uh, other is self self development, really mindset, getting that right mindset, and then the third is is skill building, and largely in that area of of gentlemanly arts that I mentioned earlier. So that's kind of that's kind of it in a nutshell. When you decided to build the distilled man, how did you pick the areas that you were going to focus on? You know, it's interesting because I started this seven years ago. And so it has evolved a lot. Um, At that time, uh, now if you look, I mean, there's like thousands of sites that, you know, help you become a better man and help you learn man skills and that sort of thing. So I think in the beginning for me, since it wasn't something I'd even heard of and my friends hadn't heard of it was more about kind of the tactical areas that you think of normally when you think of kind of like that classic, uh, well-rounded man. Um, and I think at that time I was sort of straddling the manliness and the gentlemanly, um, arenas a little bit. So when I first launched, it was, you know, talking about obviously how to grill cause that was how it started for me, how to make a cocktail. Um, and then, you know, of course that, some people may say, but looking at the name, it may be inspired by, you know, cocktail life. Um I think uh poker was another thing that came to mind for me, just as sort of one of those gentlemanly games that every guy should know. And and if you don't know it, it seems very foreign to you. Um and, you know, things like how to how to choose a wine, uh, that sort of thing. So it, it was those really tactical things where I think if you boil it down, it was it was about Giving guys that um, confidence to be in the moment in a situation and sort of take the reins and feel like they could be proficient, if that makes sense. Like especially, actually, I think the cocktail is always a good something super close to home for me. That I always think about. Like, say you're at a, at a party, whether it's a fancy party or a house you know house party with your buddies. You there's a couple different ways that you can approach that situation. You know, you're in you're in the your your buddy's kitchen if he's hosting. And people are pouring, you know, like Red Bull and vodka and you could, you know, you could join the crowd and fill up your plastic cup with that. Um, or you could be the guy who, who says, hey, do you have something, you know, do you have this ingredient? Do you have this ingredient? And you whip up a classic cocktail, uh, something timeless like an old fashioned or a martini or a, a Manhattan. And what's great about that is it's not. Yes, there's an element of, of showing off a little bit, but it really you'd be surprised and you may have seen this too, how, how inclusive it is, where all of a sudden people are interested. You know, you're, you're not the guy who's just trying to, you're not the guy who's sitting in the corner just trying to get hammered. You're actually having fun with this. You're, you're taking a second to actually, to make something more sophisticated and, and something that people will take notice of. That's cool.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely, that definitely resonates with me. What are some of the bigger things that you've learned through this process?
1: Well, it's funny because, you know, I mentioned that I've kind of evolved as I've, as I've done this, um, a lot of it did start very tactical, um, couple things. I think the big sort of meta learning that, that I'm sure that, you know, your channel is completely aligned with is that social mastery and the way that you relate to other people is such an important thing that I would say that, you know, if guys work on anything, it would be that because, that's kind of like your key to, I think, getting along in life uh, and being successful and being happy in many ways. Um, but I think the other side of that coin that I realized for me is that, and I kind of hinted at this a little bit with the cocktail story, is that a lot of these skills that you can build um, that make you a better man uh, can actually give you that, Like um, I, I like to call them social bridges in a way. Where... Um, and actually another great example is style. So when guys who are, guys are wanting to learn how to dress better, dress like a gentleman, whatever that means. (laughs) Um, but you know, when they have that awakening, when they realize that they're in their mid twenties or uh, late twenties and they're like, wow, I, I can't, I'm still dressing like a teenager. What the hell's up with that? I need to, you know, dress my age. I need to position myself at work as a leader. I need to, you know, show women that I'm an adult man and not just a overgrown baby. Um, so when they start to pay attention to the way they dress, um an interesting thing happens. Um for me, I always used to think that uh when you paid attention to how you dressed, uh and you know, especially guys being sort of finicky about the pants they wear or the shirts they wear or the brands that they're sporting, I always thought it was kind of a selfish thing before I understood it. And what I've grown to realize is that um superficial, seemingly superficial things like that um or even you know learning how to make a more sophisticated cocktail are actually very selfless things in a way because i don't know if you've ever had the uh uh the experience of you know wearing wearing nicer clothes wearing a nice suit or just wearing a nice outfit and and suddenly another guy out on the street actually compliments you on it and instead of him looking at you and saying what a jerk chris is just trying to show everyone up um it becomes this inclusive thing where it actually creates a connection. And I've also found, too, that in general, um, all those little things, like when you start working on your style, you start working on your your social confidence, you work on your just the way that you show up in the world, it becomes like a snowball effect for the people around you that all of a sudden other guys in your office are wanting to pay attention to the way they look. They're wanting to learn more refined things. They think it's cool that you're coming to a party and making an old fashioned versus chugging out of the, the plastic cup. Um, and it becomes, like I said, like this social bridge. So I think that's, to me, it just, at the end of the day, it all comes back to the way that you're able to connect with other people in the world.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely connect with a lot of what you're saying. I think it's awesome. For guys who want to develop social mastery, what are some things that they can do to increase their social confidence and build? positive friendships and even
1: develop charisma yeah that's a great question i mean i think i have to start with the negative first in some ways um and i I, i'm i know that you can relate to this that i see so many comments on you know articles that i've written um or or um get emails from readers who are kind of in their darkest mind in a in a they're they're sort of stuck like, for instance, I have an article about um, how to talk to women. I don't write a lot about dating stuff because, I, to be honest, i it's not really my wheelhouse, but there are certain fundamental things that that I've learned in my years and and through talking to other experts that I wanted to put down in sort of like this seminal article. Um, so if you Google how to ask a woman out, it should be one of the first articles on, on Google still. Um, but it's funny to see some of the comments on that article because, funny and sad, because So much of the advice that I'm giving them is really about like basically getting out of their own head, kind of taking action, um, putting themselves out there without fear. But there's all these guys who are, are not even willing to let themselves get to that step. So a lot of these comments, if you look at them, they're so sad because these guys will say, well, this would never work for me because, uh, you know, just by virtue of who I am, no woman will ever be interested in me. Um, and other guys just by virtue of who they are will always get more attention than me. And I'm just, it's gotten to the point where I can't even respond to these comments because it's so obvious that where the problem is, uh, that because they haven't put themselves out there because they are basically censoring themselves from even being who they are, that that's the biggest problem. And so I think, um, for stepping back in terms of social confidence in general, I feel like the biggest part is is getting out of your own head first because even people who um and you mentioned charisma even people who are charismatic from the outside um and it's funny because no one no one ever says like i'm charismatic usually it's something that someone else describes you that way right um or if you do say you're charismatic then gosh you know you're kind of full of yourself right <laughs> um but even people who are dubbed charismatic um if you talk to them a lot of times they too will will admit that they have those internal demons as well they have those that mental chatter that says oh my gosh the thing you just said is stupid or when you were at that party talking to those people they weren't really interested in talking to you like just those nagging voices and so i think that's the huge thing for people to realize is that a lot of times what is holding them back is that mental chatter but everybody has that and And a big corollary corollary here is like stage fright, right? And one of the stories that I always think about when I think about stage fright and putting yourself out there is um, someone like Johnny Carson, who used to host the Today Show for or or not Today Show, uh, Tonight Show, uh, for anyone who would remember, huge star, right? The god of late night, and he said that he did four thousand shows with the Tonight Show over the course of his career, and he said he wasn't he he was nervous before each one of them and so i think that's such a good reminder that even you know when it comes to public speaking or when it comes to being charismatic and being gregarious even the people who look like pros uh still have that mental chatter that that makes them worry or that physical response that elevates their pulse that says hey this is an important situation i shouldn't mess this up and the difference is that they've just learned how to to roll with it, and and learned to realize that it's just kind of comes with comes with the territory. That you're you know the goal should not be to get over that mental chatter. It should just be to to just let it pass by you and say, okay, that, you know that's fine, but we're everything's gonna be okay. You know I'm not gonna die by having this conversation. I'm gonna put myself out there. Um, and it's funny, too because another area that um, I've delved into probably even more than than dating is is this area of male friendship And it's interesting when I pulled my readers a while back before I wrote an article about male friendship and so many guys had so much to say about this topic because ironically and guys even said this verbatim that it's actually easier for guys to strike up conversations with women than it is with men in some respect because And I think one of the readers said this. um I wish I had the quote off the top of my head, but it was something to the to the effect of, we've been trained all our lives, the protocol of like approaching women. Not that we can do it well, but it's sort of like, the 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 rules of engagement are sort of clear, right? You walk up, you 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 try to impress them essentially. Uh, not that that's the best way to do it, but that's how we're trained. Try to impress them. You try to gain their interest and that sort of thing. But the rules of engagement for actually chatting up a dude. It's very different when you're trying to make a friend. And I hadn't really thought of that before I saw some of these um, these responses from my audience. So, um, yeah, it's just really interesting. What were some of the things that came
0: up both when you, you wrote the article or it wasn't an article, right? It was a poll. So what were some of the things? Yeah, I
1: did, I did a poll and then, I, and then I wrote an article based on it. Um, so, again, if you Google male friendship 101, that should be one of the top articles that comes up. Well, what were some of the things that came up uh, in terms of uh, in terms of response from the the readers?
0: Yeah, re- response from the readers, and and maybe what you distilled down as like, how was approaching a woman different than making a
1: male friend? Yeah, um, so I think part of it goes back to that idea of getting out of your own head. Because again, one of the one of the responses I got was again was like, okay, it's 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 hard for me to approach other guys and chat them up because. I haven't been trained to do this. Um, But then, stepping back, I think there's kind of a thing that's happening to guys in general as we get older, um, where, you know, when you're younger, you're in school, you kind of have this built in um, potential social circle, right? There's the people around you in your class, on your sports team, uh, who live down the street from you, whatever. And as we get older, kind of after college, I would say, um, is where things kind of fall apart a little bit in terms of guys social circles so yes maybe you have your job um you have your neighborhood maybe you talk to your neighbors but in many ways a lot of guys i I found were feeling a lot more isolated and there's been some research about this too i don't remember the stats off the top of my head but something like you know the average guy only has like 1.3 close friends versus women who have an average of I don't remember the the number but it's it's higher much higher and but the other re- the other part of that research was showed that guys still despite that difference guys still also want to have close friends and have meaningful relationships. Um so that 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 context I think is helpful that um and that was another thing that I found from writing this article about male friendship is that guys came out of the woodwork saying like thank you so much because I, I thought I was the only one who was struggling with this um, and uh, it's interesting when you when you sort of create that dialogue how people are starting to uh, they're willing to open up more about their own struggles and so that's kind of setting the stage, but one of the other th- insights was um, again, I mentioned you know the difficulty in chatting up guys. Part of that was a common theme that I saw is that a lot of guys had this um, guys who had challenged with it had this sort of false belief in their head that they weren't like manly enough to talk to other dudes. So it was kind of like, well, a lot of, a lot of guys said, because I'm not interested in sports, because, uh, I don't lift weights because I'm out of shape. I don't think other guys would want to talk to me. So for me, I was like, gosh, you know, that's a really interesting insight, but I feel like that's again, one of those kind of like false mental beliefs that's holding these guys back. And if you actually step back and think about that particular point it doesn't make a lot of sense because it, it, you know in your most cynical uh sort of view of it if you're thinking that if you come up to a guy and want to chat him up to you know make friends with him if you think he's judging you why would he why would he like you less if he thinks he's more manly than you like if you really think it's you know the world is that cynical wouldn't he actually appreciate if he's like the alpha man in the situation? Do you know what I mean? And, and again, I don't think the world works that way. I think the other point that I made in the article is that the truth is guys aren't judging you when you come up to them. People aren't judging you. A lot of times they're just judging themselves, like I mentioned earlier. So I think the sort of takeaway is really if you can kind of get over that initial mental hurdle – Put yourself out there that guys in particular, if you're reaching out to make a, make a friend, even if they, you guys don't end up having chemistry, um, you know, as friends, which will happen, even if that doesn't happen, they will still respect you that you had the cojones to put yourself out there.
0: Yes, true. And I see this a lot. I, I see this a lot in work. I see this a lot around me um, and I hear it from different guys that I coach. And you ever do men's groups, anything like that? no not in person no yeah I've been that's something I've been dabbling with in the last I don't know six months and retreats and it's
1: really interesting because this stuff comes up in those spaces and I would say I'm I'm guessing probably even more so than because these are you know emails and comments that I've gotten but I can only imagine that when you can kind of create that safe space in person that the more the more other people share the more people share essentially this is exactly what happens and, and guys open up a lot around a
0: lot of these things and and it's really amazing to watch some of these bonds um that are built in spaces where guys have the opportunity to really open up and talk about things and and uh that's the self-doubt comes up a lot where uh, a guy will say you know like i wanted to talk to you but i didn't think you would want to talk to me <laughs> or i didn't think you'd want to be my friend like why would i didn't know why you would want to hang out with me and um and so the stuff comes up a lot and and I think you're right. And most of the time, we're sometimes we need to do a little self work, but most of the time, uh, people are not. It's more just about reaching out and connecting with people, and more. And people are sort of stuck in their heads. And I'm even while I'm saying this, I'm using the I because I, it's important to, to take ownership of these things in different capacities. And even in the example of modeling. So, um, but yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying is like uh, the things that you're talking about, I think the listeners. I'm now. I'm making an assumption, but I think the people listening to this can definitely relate to it. And I, I, I not only are you experiencing it with your readers, I, I'm seeing it a lot and hearing it a lot from the different groups that I'm involved in. It's amazing how many things as men we just sort of suppress, right? And and we don't feel like we have the space to talk about them or open up about them. Uh, but so many guys are struggling with them. I was at a, an event this weekend, and and one of the, the comments an older man said uh, who was probably I don't know, late seventies, I'd, I'd guess. And, uh, he was like one of the two or three older guys in the group of the of 60 or 70 guys. And he was saying, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm realizing is we all have the same shit <laughs> and, yeah, uh, and, but what happens is as men, we have a tendency to, to suppress it. And as you said, the average guy, one of the things that came up this weekend was how many, how many of you can call, how many people can you call at 4am in the morning? If you if your life is falling apart right, and going back to that one point three friends or the, the number that you threw out there. I'm
1: sure that statistic is wrong. Someone will it, fact check. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, that, <laughs> sure
0: they will. But the, I mean, but the, the point is like well taken that for the people listening to this, how many people do you have? close to you that you can call in, in the event of emergency or if your life falls apart you fucking yeah. hurt yourself and you need them to go buy you something you're sick and then you need them to get you soup or whatever.
1: Like <laughs> um just like the, or like for me I I when I moved to San Francisco out of college um I it's funny I, I got out of college I did the whole like post Europe uh post-college Europe backpacking trip like you're supposed to um and then afterwards I moved home for just one week. My parents said you have one week to find a job and get the hell out of our <laughs> house. Um, so when I did that, I was like, okay, well, I don't have the safety net of my family, which is fine. I was like happy to have that adventure and that challenge. So I'm, I went to San Francisco, started looking for jobs. And when I did that, I was couch surfing. And that is also like another time when you find, so yeah, four o'clock in the morning when you have just gotten dumped or, you, you know, something else terrible is you kind arrested, But also I think... You you like move to a new place and you you have you are homeless. That's I was amazed to find out who my true friends were when I said, "Hey, can I sleep on your couch for like a week and a half?" (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: and it's a very vulnerable thing, right? And so what I think what happens with a lot of men is we are either scared to ask for these things or we do it a few times and we get turned down and you think, "Well, fuck, I don't got this." You're right. You find out who your real friends are and you find out maybe that you have less of them than you thought. And, and, uh, people don't react the way that you had hoped when you were vulnerable. And so we stop being vulnerable. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Which
1: is, which is exactly the wrong way to, to stay connect to, to make connections and to stay connected with people. Um, and something you said actually brings up another thing. I, um, because another thing I've discussed with some of my readers is, you know, you talk about creating those close friendships. So, you know, A lot of us will look at our lives and say, oh, I don't have that 1.3 or 2 or whatever. You know, I, It's pretty sad how many close friends I have. And the immediate impulse is to say, well, I need to go out and make close friends. And that is also not a winning strategy because uh, not that, that that can't be the goal, but if you focus too hard on that or if you think that that's going to happen too quickly, I think that can also set you up for disappointment in some ways and so i think the other can you expand on that yeah yeah absolutely so again i think if if you look at your life you're like well the problem with my life is that i i am i do not have any close confidence as a man so yes you should be pursuing that but and again there's so many parallels with dating that it's like you look at your life you're like what i need is a steady girlfriend um you don't go from zero to girlfriend in like one night or or two interactions, right? You have to lay groundwork for that. As you as you very well know, um so going back to the, you know, friendship male friendship angle, if you realize that you don't have like buddies who you can really confide in, you obviously you can't go to a bar, chat up some dude and be like, "Hey, can I can you talk to me for like 3 hours about my divorce?" Like I need a buddy to I need to cry on your shoulder. That doesn't work so well um, as you can imagine. So I think one of the big things that I've tried to to recommend is this idea of getting comfortable with the runway to friendship um, and and that idea of and some people may really uh, may not agree with this, but I think you have to plant a bunch of seeds um and put yourself out there with people in general. And this uh, this is obviously again, the parallels between dating and and building. Uh, i friends with other guys. Is it's they're exactly the same, right? It's like planting a lot of seeds. It is, to some extent, a numbers game. The same way it is with dating, where you get out, you meet people, put yourself out there, and you may click or you may not, and that's okay. But you can't expect that it's going to happen immediately, and you can't expect that every guy is going to be like best buddy material. Like you guys just may not, there just may not be, uh, you know, chemistry there. So I think that idea of, of getting patient and getting comfortable with, again, what I call the runway to friendship, um, just knowing that, hey, you're going to you're going to talk to a lot of people. You're going to you're going to talk to other guys who you may click with, you may not. But in the end of the day, you're going to improve your chances of finding someone that you build true rapport with just by putting yourself out there. But again, it's like uh, the other parallel, of course, is like record labels. Um, if people remember the sort of model of record label, <clears throat> excuse me, is that they go out and they try to find bands that are going to be huge stars, but like 90% of of the people that they bring on their, or the bands that they bring on their roster lose money. But it's those like five to 10% where they find uh, what really works, what the people really want. They find that band that blows up and that's what pays for everything else. So I think it, it's a good... I think it's good perspective to have when you're putting yourself out there, trying to make friends.
0: Dating coach Chris Lona here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break, to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftcharisma.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. Yeah, that's a great point uh a few different things come up for me one is there's definitely parallels with love right and and i know as a young man i started i I remember with like one of my first relationships i was dating this girl and i totally opened up with with her um right after we started having sex and it freaked her out and she disappeared (laughs) and and uh and what i'm getting at is like there's a pacing to opening up and that's true. Whether it's in a romantic, I, I've told that story because there's some guys on on here probably who've who've made that same mistake. Um, I think it's pretty yeah. common. Um, but it also happens with friendships, right? So you meet somebody and they're too clingy, or they are they're, they're too much too quick, or so there's a balance between sort of not showing showing up and not being present, and and sort of being too too much, and, and like and like you said, there's sort of this runway that develops and or a runway that you have to go down and, and we build these bonds through really common, common experiences and, and spending time with another human being. It just sort of happened and not every relationship is going to evolve in that way. And I was at an event last night with a guy who I'd met a few months ago. And this conversation actually came up, a very similar conversation to what we're having came up in the park. uh, And we were walking through Brooklyn we're hanging out in the park and just sort of chatting and catching up. And he was talking about it's a little bit different problem, um, but there's some parallels. He goes, "I used to network a lot and I'd go out and make tons of friends." And uh, he goes, "I had tons and tons of friends, but none of them were really my friends. They were um, they were acquaintances, like friends and, in air quotes." He's doing, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, I was trying to catch that with my voice uh, or convey that with my voice. <laughs> and, <laughs> I got it. I'm picking up. It's and, and so, it's so he he. Uh, He goes, he goes, now I'm trying to do something a little different, just develop a handful of like really strong friendships and connections. And, um, last night he had a birthday party at a Russian bathhouse. I'd never been to a Russian bathhouse. And, um, and he decided, he said, he goes, I think I'm going to make this a ritual. He goes, I've done it the last two years. And, uh, he goes, I'm, I think I'm going to do this every single year on my birthday. This sounds okay with y'all. And. The other thing that he talked about was um, just this importance of of developing a tight group of really great friends, both men and women. And he had some that he had grown up because he'd grown up in the area. And so he had some, this one girl told me she'd known him since she was three. But for a lot of us who've moved um, over the course of our adult lives uh, as sort of the economy and the world changes, uh, we lose those relationships like uh, I live in New York. I live in New York 10 years and there's one girl who went to high school with me and nobody who went to grade school with me that I know who lives in the city. And That's it, um, huh? wow. yeah, and so so what I'm getting at is like this sort of process of de- developing deep connections, I think is is more and especially with other men Um is more of a challenge than other because as we, we move around and the economy changes and uh, we move from city to city to city um, because we're pursuing our career, or our path, or our passion, um, we ha- we have to develop these deep relationships and, and they're built over time. And part of the way they're built is through ritual. And so that's yeah. what I was getting at with the bathhouse um, and him establishing a ritual. And my friends I love that. Yeah. Um, I don't know what comes
1: up for you. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think that's actually one of the best tactical recommendations for maintaining friendships, um, especially, you know, we talked earlier about the fact that your life basically just becomes more fragmented after college. And like you said, you know, you move to the East Coast, um, your friends just scattered. And like you said, that ritual that um, just having a standing invite every year where you have some sort of guys trip, I think it's like, top of the list in terms of recommendations for, like you said, for maintaining those close friendships. I have a good friend from college who, he and I were roommates for, I think just one year. Um, but you know, we have this sort of circle of friends from college and he's done a great job of setting up this, um, sort of, what does he call it? Man, man weekend. I guess I think he calls it man weekend, um, you know, sort of tongue in cheek, but, um, he's got a cabin in the near Yosemite, near the park, Yosemite, uh, in California. And so every year at the same time, like around July, he invites a few of us, maybe it's like six or seven of us up to this cabin, and it's become a tradition, like you said, a ritual. And we go up there, and there's no expectation of accomplishing anything, which is also key, I think. <laughs> We're not trying to be productive. We just go there to essentially you know, drink beer, hang out, we play some music together, because many of us have played music in the past, And, you know, we get away from our wives, which is good, sometimes very healthy thing to hang out with guys uh, away from your wives. And yeah, like you said, just having that sort of standing ritual um, is perfect, because, you know, that we have no excuse to to not make to to basically miss that engagement. If we know that it's going to happen a year from now, right, I can put that on my calendar now. And be like, talk to my wife, I'm like, babe, in July, like July 21st, I am going to go to Danny's cabin. Like we just have to plan the rest of the year around that, that it's just happening. (laughs) So yeah, I I love that. I love that.
0: That makes me think of a couple other friends to do similar things.
1: But the bathhouse, that's a really cool one. That's a really unique, unique one. Yeah, that, that was a
0: little different. I'd never been to
1: a Russian bathhouse and, um, yeah. Are you in towels, like just hanging out, like smoking opium or that's what I picture. <laughs> <laughs> not, not
0: quite. Um, but yeah, it's like a series of uh, like pools, right? So they have like a uh, steam rooms, there's saunas, there's different pools, like an ice pool, a swimming pool, a jacuzzi. Um, like uh, I'm probably missing a few of them. Uh, but yeah, so different types of showers, uh, and so what you what one would do is like you go into like the sauna, you hang out for a while. You just kind of you can do it by yourself. You go in there with a couple of people, and you just chat. Then you come out, you shower. You go into the steam room. You come out, you shower. You jump in the ice pool. You come out, you shower. And then you go up to go to the jacuzzi. So like you just sort of hang out, and and uh, it's really therapeutic, and like just a really a great way to bond, um, and especially in a city like New York where so many of the spaces spaces are so efficient like you just hang out in the pool and talk and and uh <laughs> and uh yeah it was just it was really cool um i started thinking about other forms of ritual in relation to stuff you said earlier things like playing poker i know guys yeah. in new york city who play poker every week and that's part of their their ritual for building bonds with other guys yeah and it's not really even about being good some guys are really competitive and are really good but it's about just having a, a time and place to hang out each week and continue to connect.
1: Yeah, I want to actually, I want to underscore that point because I think that's such an important point is that, you know, a lot of these activities that you set up, um, you know, it, like you said, it, it's about creating a space, um, for basically, you know, rapport to develop or, or to, to, you know, cultivate and maintain that friendship. And uh, yeah, I want to underscore that because uh, A lot of folks I talk to say, well, you know, I don't like football. I'm not, you know, I suck at poker. I'm like, it doesn't matter. You know, you're not joining a professional poker league. You're not trying to like earn real money or anything. Maybe, maybe you, maybe you're going to lose 20 bucks or whatever the, you know, the, the buy-in is, but that's not what it's about. Like you said, it's about just creating an activity because I mean, guys want to share with each other, but guys don't necessarily want to every Wednesday come and, um, you know, have a hug you know, like a lot of guys are more comfortable, um, creating an activity where if they want to have a real conversation and share stuff that's gone uh, on in their life, then, then they can, but it's not like they have to, they don't have to share if they don't want to.
0: It's a great point. Um, what are some of the activities other than poker and, uh, some of the stuff that we've talked about that, that come up as you think good rituals. I mean, we talked about the bathhouse um, or birthdays.
1: Um, but so the bathhouse still, I think is like the winner. That is. <laughs> <like> such... <laughs> it, it was, uh, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. No. Uh, you know, I think it, in some ways it, it doesn't matter, but I can give you a couple other ideas. Um, Cause again, it's about uh, creating a space where, um, you're, you're, you have an activity that's not so complicated that it's going to require a lot of brain power. Um, so like, I think another good one, which is a little more old school is, um, my friend Dave, um, who is kind of an old school gent himself, uh, not old, but he just likes old school things. Um, loves, you know, modern furniture, like, you know, uh, and, uh, but one of the things he would always do is, um, have a record party. And I thought this was cool because he actually has a turntable, and again, you can do this with CDs or you could do this with MP3s if you want. But I think uh, as as you get progressively more digital with the format, it's not quite as cool. There's something cool about the record party because we did this a couple times, and essentially he's got the turntable out, um, he's got a stack of his records because we didn't we didn't really have many records, you know, the, the rest of us. But since he has a turntable, he's got a collection of cool records, um, some newer stuff, a lot of older stuff. And of course, you know, since we're coming over to his house, we're, we're bringing like, you know, a bottle of whiskey or, or beer or whatever it is we want to share. And the only activity, the only expectation of the evening is that we're going to like sit around, look at the turntable, listen to the music. And then what's fun about the record party is that there's that sort of physical interaction of um you know getting up you know taking the record off uh again i mean you, you mentioned the word ritual uh, which is such a great word and that is um you know we could go off on a totally different tangent here but i think from what i understand when you're creating rituals you know a lot of times there has to be sort of that like tangible physical textual element and that's what makes it kind of stick as a ritual too uh, so many rituals are built around like an action or um It's not just a mental thing, right? It's not just something that takes place and you think about. It's something that you experience. And that's what's so cool about the record party, you know, because you're just like taking these huge records off the turntable, looking at the liner notes, which for people who have never seen records, the (laughs) liner notes are like what you write inside a record. And for old school records, especially, this was kind of a fun thing because artists would sometimes they would commission like really famous artists or, um, spend a lot of time creating the artwork for an album. So it's like a whole other experience around the music that isn't even related to the music. It's like the art itself and the packaging. And so again, I think that's just another example that can be a lot of fun if you like music. Yeah. And the reason why I was asking for recommendation
0: is because what I want to do is for the guys who are listening to this, like increase their vocabulary of things that they could potentially do and um i mean a bunch of things as you were talking about that came up in my mind um it could be having people over for dinner a certain night a week a month yeah, or or, sure. or once a week uh, maybe you invite everyone over to barbecue or um i yeah. do, i go to these like soulful suppers in new york where um uh, once um about once every 2 weeks on a sunday we meet at someone's house and like they some they prepare the food we all pitch in and then everyone um only one person can talk at one time you have to ask someone else to serve serve you food um so you can't serve yourself but it's just like a, it's oh, a cool. really really cool experience I thought about the soccer league or any type of sports league um would be an yeah. example of this uh a friend of mine who in new york city there's a bunch of different organizations uh there's a me- this meditation club called medi club uh, another one called inner glow there's a this thing they just started, someone started this thing called so far where you just show up and and they play music uh, like you don't know what the bands are but it's some space and that's a little bit like a less intimate because it's more more and more strangers but it's like there's just so many different things that that a person can do and so i guess what i'm trying to do is by rambling on around this is just maybe increase the, vocab- the vocabulary for the guys listening to this around it. And, and if you're a guy listening to this and you want to build a sense of community, you want to build more friendships, come up with something that you like to do and reach out to a couple, a couple men or it could be women too, but reach out to a couple people you really want to connect with and invite them. And even if they say no, you can always invite them. If you do it as a ritual, you do it once a week or you do it twice a month or once a month, just invite them the next time, invite them the next time. And eventually yeah, they might show up
1: and uh yeah do you have something you want to say yeah I love that and I I mean I would say it's like you don't have it doesn't have to be so crazy and so creative in fact I think things that are simpler are better in some ways because if you think about it you can't have it be like the novel crazy creative thing each time because it's got to be something that's sustainable so it's got to be just interesting enough to create a framework for you to interact but uh not not something that like takes a lot of mental energy not something that is takes a lot of uh, time or any preparation at all. It's just something people can show up and be there. That's a great point. I mean, I I had
0: uh, some buddies last night who I couldn't make it because I was at this bathhouse, uh, but they were having dinner. They just do dinner once, like once a month or once every three weeks or something. Um, And uh, that's pretty cool. You just grab drinks with your buddies. It could be that simple. I have another buddy of mine who started this thing where, and this is a little more complicated, but everybody works out in the park together on Saturday and they do it in New York for eight months out of the year when the weather allows it to do so. Um, but I think that's a great point. It can be something super simple. And I think that's a that's really important.
1: I have one, one more example just to throw out there. This And this is like really sort of manly in air quotes. Uh, a few years ago in San Francisco, I, I was part of a, a small group called uh, Meat Club. And <laughs> we would meet every month. Meat. Oh pun intended. Um, and we would go to a different steakhouse in San Francisco each time. And of course, you know, the rules were no fish. Um, <laughs> and, and that was a fun because it was like, so, and obviously you can like so many fun jokes around. It's like meat club, you know? Um, but that was another fun too. So I think having some sort of like theme that you can stick to, that's very simple can, can create a lot of fun. That, that, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> it is so, so simple. Um, but I want to talk to you a little bit about, about sort of inner confidence. If if a guy is listening to this and and he's trying to get, we're talking a lot about socialization and making friends and going out and meeting people, but oftentimes there's definitely a health component to that, but oftentimes to go out and build those bonds, we need to feel good about ourselves. So uh, for a guy who's listening to this, if he's trying to get himself together, um, maybe he has been in a rut and he's trying to find motivation or inspiration or improve his mindset or even get
1: better habits, Anything that you recommend? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the big things, one of the other sort of, you know, I mentioned earlier kind of putting yourself out there in a social way. Um, one of the kind of undercurrent themes that I always come back to in my my writing or anything that I do on The Distilled Man is this idea of taking action. Um, and there's a great story in, uh, I think it's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey's book. Which is a great, great book for anyone who hasn't heard it heard of it. Um, I think it's in the beginning of the book where um, Stephen's telling this story of a guy he was talking to, and the guy was like, um, "I don't, I have a problem with my wife. I don't love my wife anymore, or something. I'm, you know, don't, I'm not loving her currently. I'm going through this period of doubt." And what Stephen's advice to him was, um, he's like, "Love your wife," and the guy's like what do you mean love my wife? I told you I don't love my wife. I'm not, you know, I'm not feeling it. He's like, no, 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 love your wife. And Stephen's point was that love is a, is a verb, that, that it's an action that you don't just get to experience it. You have to create it by taking action. And so for me, I feel like that's, it's not just, that's not just about love. That's about creating any sort of Mindset that you want in your life that you can't wait for lightning to strike That you have to a lot of times you have to take action before you feel Like taking action or take action before you feel like you're experiencing what you want to experience so if you're back to your question if you're going through a period of doubt or struggling with confidence you can't sit and wait for confidence to develop and That's probably why you know so many blogs out there have a bad name. It's like oh, yeah, just Gain confidence and you'll be fine. Well, it's like, that's bullshit because you can't just summon confidence out of thin air. You know, so I think I'm a big believer again in in like taking action before you're ready in some ways and knowing that that's going to create the momentum to hopefully create opportunities to where you will start to change how you feel about yourself. Um, And obviously there's even more specific ways uh, that that's helpful, like taking action to learn a new skill it's like, that's great on a number of levels because it's like you're you're improving yourself. So you're, that's going to give you, again, you can't summon confidence out of thin air, but you you can feel more confident about yourself if you know that you're improving yourself. That helps. But also, again, like we talked about with the social aspect, by taking action, putting yourself out there, you're creating new opportunities to connect with different people. So again, I think just like forcing yourself to start even if you feel that inertia if you feel like you're kind of in a rut it's like you just you can't wait for it to end because it's not going to end without you uh taking action that's a great point i was having a conversation recently
0: and i was talking to a friend of mine about some of these same ideas and i was saying you know if you want connection you have to connect yeah right? if you want to if you want great friends and you have to be a great friend Right. Like if you want like and and it's so many of these things like we want, if you turn around and you say, well, if I just do these, these things for other people, like it's not going to happen every time. But we are more likely to nurture these things. Right. And, and right. The, the love thing is a great example. Um, if you want someone to love you, it doesn't mean it's always going to work, but you have to bring love into the
1: world. And uh, yeah, it- go ahead. Well, it, it, that also, too, brings up something um, for me about um, – I'm sure you've read the book or heard of the book um, No More Mr. Nice Guy, um, uh, Robert Glover. Uh, I actually had him on my podcast, and you know he talks about essentially – when he says nice guy, it's nice guy again in air quotes of this guy who is essentially bitter because he's not getting what he wants out of life. But a lot of times the reason that's happening is because – Uh, these nice guys in air quotes are doing something with the anticipation of like getting a return. And that's kind of the only reason they're doing it, but because they're not communicating that that's what they need, a lot of times they end up dissatisfied. So like in a relationship, they're, they're like going out of their way to like wait on their girlfriend hand and foot or putting themselves out all the time. But the reason they're doing it is because they're expecting a return of like respecting, uh, them to reciprocate which doesn't always happen and because um because they've set that sort of secret expectation they end up disappointed a lot of times mm. covert contracts covert contracts exactly so you know what i'm talking about yeah
0: how, how about this idea of um habits any thoughts on that
1: yeah i mean habits are man so awesome i um like speaking of podcast guests i had james clear on the podcast recently and he just came out with an amazing book, um, which I would highly recommend called atomic habits. Um, and I'm sure that a lot of your listeners have also heard of, um, the power of habit by Charles Duhigg, which is a great book that came out a couple of years ago. I would recommend both of those books. Um, but habits is for me personally is one of those things that I feel like I'm always coming back to, always trying to refine. And I am so far from having things locked in when it comes to habits. But, um, I think I'll tell you the thing that that is helping me currently um, just in my everyday life is this idea of um, starting with the smallest uh, sort of minimum viable uh, payoff of your habit. So like, one of the things that I asked James Clear when he was on the podcast was like, look, one of the big habits people want to have is exercising regularly. But what happens a lot of times is life gets in the way, right? So how do you make sure that you maintain a habit of exercise specifically um like what if something comes up and his answer which i think is brilliant is that you try at first you try to never skip more than once if you skip twice you're basically creating a new habit which is an interesting insight but the other thing to look at is always allow yourself to sort of check the box lower lower the barrier to checking the box basically so um I'll tell you a habit that I've just created and tried to pay off. So recently I, I, I found that I wasn't writing as regularly as I wanted to. And I always feel like when I write, um, even if I'm not doing a blog post or whatever, it just always feels good to kind of keep the writing muscle, um, you know, strong essentially. And so I I developed a habit that I'm going to write 15 minutes every morning, which is a very small amount. Um, but the nice thing about that is that it's fairly easy to uh, to maintain, right? And and it's amazing, cause like some days I'm like, I just barely write 15 minutes, and then other days I'm like, wow, actually I'm kind of in the groove, I'm gonna go a little bit longer. Um, but still things get in the way, like, you know, this morning this interview was a little bit earlier than I normally wake up, so instead of me skipping my 15 minute writing altogether, um, because I woke up late, <laughs> um, I was like, okay, I'm gonna write for five minutes. And what's great about that is, um, I'm able to maintain the habit. Um, and uh, you know, if you've ever heard of the, the Seinfeld strategy, a lot of people have written about this. Seinfeld, you know, Jerry Seinfeld um, famously talked about how he, you know, he, he realized, well, as a comedian, what do you have to be good at? Um, you have to be good at writing jokes. So I'm gonna write a joke every day, and I'm not gonna break the chain. And he had this um, checkbox every single day. He would write a red X on every single day that he wrote a joke. And it became this like visual reminder to not break the chain. And so I think by, but, but then I realized listening to that that you gotta imagine that some days those jokes were terrible. Or it was like two words, but he still checked the box. So he was like lowering the barrier to allowing himself to keep the chain going. And so I think that was a very rambling way to say that I think one of the best things to think about with habits is trying to create that momentum and not being too uh, hard on yourself about like what it means to check that box each day or each week, whatever, whatever you're trying to do.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing how much perfectionism and our own expectations for ourselves can get in the way of us really making small steps every day that can lead to something so much more um significant over time yeah that definitely resonates
1: yeah i think and just one final point on that sorry just i i more and more i'm realizing like in life and and especially in my business like a big part of it is just showing up just consistently showing up especially on those days when you don't feel like you have time or don't feel like you're feeling it like for me it's like i you know, barely had time to shower this morning. And again, I'm not blaming you because of the the time of the interview, blaming, blaming myself because I woke up late. Um, it's like I could have easily blown off writing. Um, but I'm like, no, I'm just going to show up, but in a smaller way. I want to talk a little about gentlemanly
0: skills. You talked about a few, uh, what do you think are some of the most important gentleman, gentlemanly skills and, um,
1: doesn't really roll off the tongue very well. Yeah, it it? it does not. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I I still Um, think
0: it's important. Well, what, what, what do you think as a guy, what do you think are some of the things that men should learn to do? And, and what are the the benefits? Like not only like learn to cook, there's a, a benefit to that, right? Learn to barbecue, but there's also these like secondary level or third level benefits that, um, might not be as obvious. So I'm wondering if maybe you can touch on some of those things.
1: Yeah. It's funny because I've been thinking a lot about um, the idea of the word gentleman, um, you know, for the last few years, but also especially this last year. Um, cause what I've started to realize is that, is that people have a lot of baggage around that word. Um, uh, just, I feel like there's a lot of false understanding of what it means. Cause I think a lot of people think of the word gentleman, they think, they think of a guy in a top hat and a bow tie. They think of, um, you know, especially if you're thinking about like manners or something like that. They think about country clubs. They think about um, basically. They think about an exception to the rule. I think, and I think, um, I think being a gentleman is is more of a more of a philosophy in some ways. And I think if I had to boil it down, it's about how you show up in the world, and um, the I guess two parts of that. One are showing respect for yourself in terms of taking care of yourself. So maybe maybe wearing a bow tie is making you a gentleman, but really it's that attention to detail and being your best self that is really the essence of it. And then how you pay attention to other people, which is in some ways more important. Um, so, I mean, I think going back to your question about tactically um, gentlemanly skills, I think there are, there are, there are layers to it, like you alluded to. I think there's some surface layer gentlemanly skills that we think of when we think of, um, uh, what it means to be a gentleman. I mentioned cocktails earlier. I think that's such a fun one because, um, it's, it's something that's sophisticated. I think that's another word that people associate with gentlemen. Um, but it's also a technical skill, like learning how to, you mentioned cooking. I mean, cooking and cocktails to me, almost the same thing, like understanding balance of flavor, tinkering with ingredients, like being able to enjoy what you've created, Um, but the, what I mentioned earlier is that like with cocktails, it's also something where it's an inclusive thing where you can make a cocktail for a lady friend or you can make a cocktail for your friend and you're giving to them by making this nice drink for them. But then there's the, also the whole social aspect of let's make some drinks together. Like you brought an ingredient, I brought an ingredient together. We can make a Negroni, you know, (laughs) like that sort of thing. So I think cocktails is a huge thing. Um, In terms of other gentlemanly skills, I mean, we mentioned taking care of yourself, um, kind of paying attention to what you're wearing. I'm not huge on style in general. Uh, I don't feel like it's really my wheelhouse, but I feel like it's something that as a man, you can't ignore. You can't ignore the way that you put yourself out there. So I think uh, learning how to dress your best, not necessarily fancy, uh, is another gentlemanly skill. Um, and I think the final thing that I'll mention, because again, there's so many, but I think the final one I'll mention goes back to a lot of what we've been talking about. It's, it's just uh, learning conversation skills. So learning how to, to make small talk, even though people hate that word, um, small talk is kind of a necessary evil. Um, and then just as importantly, learning how to elegantly extract yourself from a conversation, I think, is a, is a really important thing that sometimes people uh, miss. Can you talk a little bit about both of those things? Sure. Yeah. Um, again, with small talk, I think that's another one of those things where people have so much baggage around the term. Um, but the, the way the way to think about it is that it's really that sort of. I mean, we talked about that runway to friendship. It's small talk is a runway to rapport, and you know, rapport again is that situation where you forget that you're trying to make conversation; like you're just clicking you've found a topic that you're both interested in and the conversation is just flowing naturally, like, unfortunately, you can't just start with that. You can't start with a serious conversation and be like, Chris, let's talk about your views on religion. You know, I can't just walk up to you and like, or let's talk about politics or whatever. Um, Because one, you know, you can't, you got to warm up a little bit. But two, if I'm just meeting you, you have to kind of search around to find those common interests sometimes. Um, so I think in terms of small talk, like just get, in terms of tactics, one is understanding that getting over the baggage of small talk, understanding that's a necessary evil. Um, but two, um, one of the tactics that I think is often overlooked when people talk about making conversation, uh, you know, everyone talks about being a better listener, which is is great. Um, because and and asking questions but as you know you know also from like the dating world you don't want to go on a date and just like be an interrogator right you don't want to just fire questions at someone because they start to feel like you're an interrogator that you're putting them on the spot they get uncomfortable so I think for me one of the more under overlooked tactics for small talk that's great is this idea what I call like exploding your answers or um, making sure that you're actually giving back to the conversation. So, like a, I think a great example is when you think about that dreaded, like water cooler conversation at work after the weekend. People are like, "How was your weekend?" You know. Um, and there's a great book where a gentleman wrote about this, and I'm trying to remember. I think it's um, How to Talk to Anyone Anytime. Um, I'll double check. But um, what he says is, during that conversation, the best thing to do is to Expand on your answer. So like if if you came up to me, you're like Kyle, how was your weekend? I'm like fine How was yours? Like obviously we're not giving anything to that conversation. And so it's not gonna go anywhere I mean it might if we already have a rapport, but that's not gonna like kickstart anything with us, right? But if you said Kyle, how was your weekend? And I'm like, well It was amazing. You know, I took my wife and my son to like the amusement park. We rode all the rides You know, I I think I liked the ride even more than my son did. Like we bought cotton candy, we had a funnel cake, and you know, blah blah blah. So like, I'm giving you so much to work with there uh, by exploding my answer that it it's much more likely that you're going to be like, oh my god, I love funnel cake. I have not had one of those since 1997 or something. You know, and then. By doing that, it gives you something, gives us more of a chance of finding a topic where we're both interested and where we can both keep the conversation going. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's yeah, super helpful.
0: Anything else you want to share with the listeners before we jump off the call?
1: Oh, you know, I did realize actually the one other thing you asked about is getting out of conversations. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to get into that. Yeah, actually, a little you know, bit let's, more,
0: let's do it. Yeah, let's talk. About, let's talk about that. I think it's important, and it's a question that comes up. In every single one of my classes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think that there's, you know, not necessarily a right or wrong way to do this. Um, but as I was thinking about it, I think there's a few different ways that can work really well for people. So, um, first of all, what you don't want to do when you're getting out of a conversation is just like walk off obviously. Um, because people are left going like what, what happened to Chris? Why, why is he such a dick? Why did he just walk away from me? Um, so obviously you have to acknowledge that you're leaving the conversation. I think that the most direct way, which doesn't always work, is to be like, great. Well, it was it was great chatting with you. You know, talk to you later. Um, but I think there's other more elegant ways. Like one of the ways I think works really well is what I call the bookend, which is where you kind of call back something that you talked about earlier in the conversation. And whenever I think about getting out of a conversation, I always think about like a cocktail party because it's or some sort of event where you you sort of know people, but you're catching up, but you have to kind of make the rounds a little bit. So I think that's always a good one where you're like, well, Chris, uh, it was really good talking to you and thanks so much for telling me about that book. Recommend- no, thanks so much for telling me about the Russian baths because I'm definitely going to try that. And so it's a nice call. So it's that bookend of like referring back to something you talked about earlier in the conversation. And it's it works because one, it, people sort of understand that that's a signal that you're wrapping things up. And also... I mean, it shows that, you know, I was listening to you talk about the Russian baths and sort of that gives you a warm fuzzy knowing that I was actually paying attention to the conversation as opposed to just like stirring my drink and ignoring you, you know. Um, and then the only other, the only other one I want to mention, there's a lot of other sort of tactics, but the other good one, I think, when you're at a cocktail party is just being like frank about the fact that you're going to make the rounds. I think that's a good one that people shouldn't be afraid to do, like especially if you're at a uh, a cocktail party or a networking event too, um, Especially a networking event like if you say well, Chris, it was great catching up good meeting you um, I think I'm gonna go ahead and make the rounds now. Like I think that's a, like super honest and Especially at a networking event where the purpose is for you to connect with multiple people I think people are totally fine with that. So I think those are two that I would I would leave people with
0: It's absolutely awesome Kyle. Um, Yeah, this has been incredible. And if you're listening to this, you want to learn more about Kyle and the Distilled Man, we're going to post some links on the Craft Christmas website and within the description of this podcast so that you can learn about him and all the different things he does, including his podcast and his blog more easily. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, Chris, thanks so much for having me. It's dating coach Chris Thona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I gotta do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.